Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Let me have some Lou. Uh, nobody at the podium just quite yet, so we might have we might have cut Grange off early. But uh, I'm entering what hour three? We're already we're already in hour three with yeah. uh, with Blake Murphy. Blake, how you feeling, man? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to like answer people's questions and stuff like that on Twitter during our breaks and stuff. I'll write up all the cap ramifications and stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I can sense some frustration that like. You know, you tweet out a detail or whatever, and people are, are upset because they don't, they don't like. What's going on? We man? do have to zoom out and take a look at this as a whole. And I agree with the general sentiment that it's going to take some understanding and some questions in this press conference uh, to understand. But um, yeah, anyway, I just I need a little bit of time to to sit with this and go over my G League like top guards list because the this is honestly probably the most exciting thing I'll turn my attention to after mm. I get the the cap update and the summer outlook up is okay. the Raptors have two open roster spots. And uh, obvious need at, at guard, and maybe even for an extra depth developing center. Do you convert Jonte? I, I mean, you, there's no really, there's not really a need to, and you can make the argument sometimes that it's it's better not to. Like, so he can't max out his days. You could convert him because it's a reward for him and stuff like that. Okay, okay. But if you do that now, you can only um, I mean, sign him. Employees is a good sign of. Uh, healthy yeah. culture, but hey, um, that's a separate you can thing. only yeah. sign him for this year and next if you convert uh-huh. him now because all of your mid-level exceptions used up if you were to wait until the offseason and he's a restricted free agent you could sign him to a longer term deal um gotcha. so look gotcha. i'm always going to be in favor of especially with these two-way guys the g league guys who've been grinding get them their money get them get mm. them their um their payday and stuff but from a purely like roster flexibility standpoint if you want to be cold and calculated about it, it would it would probably make more sense to just wait until the offseason because then you can sign Jonte to a longer deal. Um, but maybe they're not thinking that way. Maybe they think like I think they want to reward these guys. Um, there are I've, I've gotten a couple questions as well. So just while we wait for Bobby, sure. Um, Marquis Noel's hurt still. He, he strained his hamstring pretty bad a couple weeks ago. His status for the All Star game next weekend. He made the G League All Star game. Uh, that status is still uh, in question. So in terms of the immediate point guard depth for this Raptors team. It's Garrett Temple. It's Javon Freeman Liberty, who is much more a combo guard than a than a yeah. point guard. And uh, then it's you know the the Bruce Brown, Scotty Barnes, mm. RJ taking on more responsibility types. Um, when we eventually zero in on like we did when Jakob Pertl got hurt, hey, who are some G League um, potential fill-ins? I'm obviously going to focus that more on the point guard position. There are some. Cool names out there. I still haven't given up the the hope on Sharif Cooper, uh, who's been been balling out with Cleveland's team. There are a couple other guys. Uh, Santa Cruz has mm. has a really spicy guard uh, who, who's really improved a lot as the season's gone on as well. I got to sit down and uh, and come up with a list like that. But first, we got to do the cap updates, which is uh, which is post show here. Oh, you about to? I know you're about to cook. I know you're about to cook. I mean, there's not that much. It's like they could have all the cap flexibility in the world, mm-hmm. but that would mean declining Bruce Brown's option of trading him, renouncing the rights to Kelly <laughs> Yo, Olenek, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. After all this, I'd be so upset. Man. Yeah, it would be. And this I'm is sorry, the thing, like, like we talked about, and maybe I didn't do the best job of wording it, but I got some questions like this on Twitter. So hopefully people are listening to the show as well. It's like, yeah, oh, there, yeah, there is like when Woj says that, there's a lot of flexibility with Bruce Brown. It's true, but that flexibility diminishes as each decision point. Like the flexibility of we could do five different things at three different points in time yeah. changes when now it's, well, we could do three different things at two different points in time. It's the same thing we went through with the Pascal stuff where it's like, well, you could trade yeah. him or extend him, et cetera. Um, there is still that flexibility. That is true, mm-hmm. but it is less tomorrow than it was today. This team loves acquiring flexibility. So number one, it's the number one thing they love acquiring. Um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, there are the open roster spots. I think now that the roster is finally set, um, I, I suppose for everybody, it's a bit of a relief just because 
go through the trade rumors. And of course, there's always things that are rumored and whether or not they actually come to fruition, it doesn't really happen. And then you end up in the situation where you feel like that's ah, a little disappointing. I'm certainly relating to that feeling right now. Um, but at least it's over. And now you can look just at the roster as is and sort of how they want to move forward. I mean, I don't get the sense after this deadline that they're just looking to not be competitive the rest of the season. I think they still want to compete, but most importantly, that's secondary to how those young guys continue to grow. I just hope that they continue to find minutes for those young guys, not just for Scotty quickly and, and RJ, but also for the other young guys as well on the roster. Grady, Abaji, who you need to see more of now. Yep. I think I'll, I, I want to see more War as well. You know, I feel like War gets left out of these. Is it because he's a is he is he unrestricted afterwards? Too? He is unrestricted. You have yeah. you have rights on him, so that's that's important. But he, I think, the reason that he comes up a little less, on top of which, just like as soon as they got healthy, he stopped playing. He's also twenty five, and we have four years of mm. him being in it. like like I said this at the time when when he was acquired, and like he's had a couple nice games for the Raptors, but like we know who Jordan War is to a pretty good degree. It, it's like making so the why case. Why do we get him then? Because you need to make the salary math work in the Pascal deal. Like I, I think it was one of those things. Like you got to take two players back uh-huh. uh, in addition to Bruce Brown, and Indiana wasn't giving you their prospects. So you took Jordan Wara because, like, mm. I mean, he's a competent NBA player. We've mm. obviously seen that. We've seen it. Like, Milwaukee and Indiana weren't bad teams. But in terms of, like, hey, which young guys do you need to see more of? Like, it's the same as making the case of, like, of playing Gary Moore. It's like, you can make the case to play Gary Moore because he's, he's balling out lately and he's shooting the three really well. But he's 25. He's been in the league five years. Like, we know who six years for Gary, four for Wara. But, yeah. like, we know who these guys are. They've been in NBA rotations on, on competitive teams. And, like, yes, they're not finished products yet. But, like, we know who those guys are more. And they've had more developmental opportunities than, say, a Grady Dick or an Oche Abaji. Uh, again, Abaji's a little older for a prospect and came through uh, a major program. So, uh, not to the same extent. But, like, yeah, Grady Dick should should be getting more of those uh, reps yeah. and things like that. I, I guess. So, I would th- just hope that they're not competing with each other because, again, like, I, the only thing I I mean, they are competing on, with each other. Okay, the thing I'm going to push back on is who war was for the Pacers, who war was for uh, Milwaukee before that, those are all context-dependent. Yeah. I was hoping that I changed the scenery for him, and we th- we saw a couple good games for him, and all of a sudden now we have no minutes for him. We hoped that the trade deadline was going to clear some other – contracts around so maybe there's some more clarity for him it doesn't seem like that's affected his situation if anything there's another guy that's jumped ahead of him in the rotation mm-hmm. in, in Obaji like we, but, we I guess we don't get to see it you know what I mean other than a couple flashes which were good so I, I understand why you're pushing back in that way but again like they have six wings slash forwards yeah. who are 25 and under and like so you have to draw the you can't play all of them there's not enough I hear they're you. not all going to get enough minutes so like like Jordan Wara, so like they could have tried to trade Bruce Brown for example, right? And like, and they're not going to just like sit Bruce Brown down for the season. I'm sorry, that's not it's not going to happen. You would have a very unhappy Bruce Brown on your hands, and you'd be maybe you know to whatever extent he still has value, you'd be diminishing that for okay. um for for next year. But like R.J. Barrett, Gary Trent Jr., Grady Dick, Oche Abaji, Scotty Barnes, Jordan Wara, mm-hmm. those guys are all 25 and under, and there's probably like four rotation spots. There, maybe you can expand it to six if you're going to play with like some non-point guard minutes and some Scotty at center minutes still. I would love to see that. Um, And then you've all like McDaniel's is under contract for next year, and and, I mean he just turned 26. He he is Mm. he should be at the bottom of those on merit. Him into that Brooklyn trade. Yeah, and then like and then Bruce Uh Brown is still around, so that's eight guys for like at most like six, maybe seven rotation spots, and that's if you're spreading the minutes around. So there are going to be odd guys out every night, and and I think you know of those eight, we can safely put McDaniel's at the bottom. But, like, 
Wara might be next at the bottom versus the other six guys, given where the Raptors are and what they have invested in these other pieces. Do you, like, would you, would you put Wara above, you know, Abaji, Dick, Trent, Barrett, Barnes minutes? No, but I, again, I think that if you had moved Bruce Brown, which yeah. oh, obviously I'm I didn't, not I didn't mention do. him in there specifically because yeah. like, because yes, you, because the other guys you could actually finesse and at least give mm-hmm. them a chance. That's the thing. Whatever. I guess. Yeah, I, I'm. Well, look for me personally. I'm hoping for whatever we get from the Pascal trade to be maximized. So right. a maximized version would be you give War a shot, and he turns into something. You may be able to re-sign him. All of a sudden, that looks like you got a piece out of that, right? You got the picks. One of those picks became Obaji. Hopefully, you give Obaji a shot. Then hopefully, it becomes anything out of that. So then the trade looks better and better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But otherwise, like the Bruce part was a big part of it. Was you know. You know, uh, that, you know, was supposed to be a big part of that. But uh, we'll see, I guess, if the Raptors fl- uh, flip him at the draft. But in the meantime, we have Bobby Webster going to the podium, and let's just take you there. It looks like a craft beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. a good question i think i'd characterize you know this trade deadline um you know we did our heavy lifting about a month ago and so i i feel like this trade deadline we cleaned up a lot of things and we you know addressed some of the things we talked about after the og and pascal trades um you know we were able to turn one of the picks into a good young player in ochai you know it's kind of a steady in presence in kelly uh financially we were able to you know gain some more flexibility this summer with the dennis trade um but yeah, I think the heavy lifting was done this, you know, December, January, and this kind of like deadline continued on kind of that path. If that makes sense. There wasn't great speculation about Bruce's future. Was there as much interest as we would like to believe, and why were you unable to come up with anything like? Yeah, I think that's it's fair. Um, had we gotten the offers we wanted for Bruce, you know, if kind of hit our threshold, we would have done something. At the same time, I think Bruce is 27. He has a really interesting contract. You know, he provides a professionalism and toughness I think we're all seeing on the court, so we value that. Um, and there's options with Bruce this summer. I also think if you look around the league today, there weren't a ton of major moves. And so I think that, you know, maybe some larger macro elements in the NBA are contributing to, um, you know, teams going forward and, and making big deals. Um, but, no, we're, we're, we're happy with Bruce. We're, you know, we're happy to continue on with him. You mentioned getting the heavy lifting done early. What, I guess, was was the thinking behind making those moves as early as you guys did as opposed to taking it up closer to the deadline for Pascal and OG? And in the end, was it beneficial, I guess, to have this time the last few weeks to gauge the market on some of the other guys after doing the heavy lifting early? Yeah, so a couple parts there. I think, you know, to be honest, the start of the season didn't kind of, you know, get off how we wanted to. And so I think we were, you know, in some ways forced to address, you know, those, those two situations. I also think the value for those players, you know, a lot of the conversations we had around those two players were the teams wanted to acquire them as early as possible. So they had a, a longer, you know, runway for the rest of the season. Um, so I think a couple of factors contributed to those deals happening early. Um, I think it lessened the load, right, of, you know, imagine trying to do all those deals this week. That wasn't necessarily the intention of it, but it did give us a stretch 
you know, we've had some injuries and whatnot, but at least we've had a little bit of time or more time than normal. You know, had we done those deals at the trade deadline, we'd be looking at, you know, 25 to 30 games with that group, whereas now we're going to have, you know, hopefully 45 to 50 looking at that young group. So uh, doing it doing it early, I think, was advantageous for us, was advantageous for the teams that have acquired them um, and allows us to approach this deadline understanding who the core of this team is. This is the third straight year you've acquired a pending free agent. If I'm wrong, with you know, somewhat of an intention of keeping him around for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something you see a ton around the league. So why are you, why are you guys, why do you guys like this? Well, I think, you know, you could probably even date back to the surge trade, right? I mean, I, I think it allows you to, you know, bring that person in-house, get a feel for them, um, understand how they fit with your culture, how they fit basketball-wise, um, and then make that decision in the summer from a bit more of an informed um, point of view. So I think that's just generally the, the thinking behind it. Um, I think, I guess, specifically you're asking with respect to Kelly. Yeah. yeah, so I think Kelly, listen, we, everyone in here has followed him for a long time. We've been big fans of Kelly. Um, I think the way we view him specifically is, you know, he's kind of like a steady hand, and I think we've seen it with the bench units, um, especially with the bigs. He's going to provide a skill set, a veteran presence, a voice um, that, you know, we think that that unit could, you know, use some help with. And so we're excited to have Kelly. The conversations have been great. I think he really wants to be here. Um, you know, he's excited for this opportunity. I think from a contract perspective, you know, he is extension eligible right now. So it's a little different than some of the other players. So you can have those conversations and, you know, have an understanding of what he's looking for. How do you think the new CBA played a part? How did you feel about the part of this? It's probably a bit too much CBA minutia, but I think you had a, a number of large factors kind of contributing to a restricted market. So you had a lot of the contending teams um, just didn't have a ton of assets. So the teams that you would normally would be buyers just were kind of capped out or, you know, didn't have the draft picks. Um, I think everyone is a little unsure about the pending financial um, penalties under the new system. Um, And so I think that contributed to, you know, the sellers maybe being less inclined to take on money, um, that they otherwise would have been, and then the, the typical buyers just not kind of having the ammo to come out and, and get guys. You mentioned that now you guys have a pretty good idea of the core that you're building around. Is Gary part of that group? I mean, he's in that same age bracket or a similar age bracket with those guys, but of course he's going to be a free agent. Where do you kind of see him in his future with this team? Yeah, so I think on the surface, Gary's 25 years old and a 40% three-point shooter, right? So you'd start there. Um, I think he probably would even admit he didn't get off to the, as good of a start as he would have wanted to, but he's kind of settled in now and we're seeing it. So I think it's a little TBD on Gary, but I think we're watching him grow with this group. We're watching him, um, you know, pick and choose his spots offensively. Um, I think you're seeing him be a bit more aggressive defensively, which we've seen over the years. Um, so I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great stretch for him and it's a great stretch for us to, to evaluate him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, part of the the Spencer uh, decision-making was just age. We want to play young guys. We want to take looks at, you know, we've seen some Scotty at point guard. We'll, you know, hopefully see more there. But it also does free up two roster spots for us to bring in some guys, take shots on, um, you know, some free agents, scour the G League overseas. So we'll definitely use those two roster spots. You mentioned wanting to go after young guys just there. One of the guys who I was 
and you had a, a, there are other older players on this team. Why didn't you guys go all young, for example? I think we were trying to find the right mix. You know, we, we've and even in personal conversations with a lot of teams in our similar position, you. Um, the young guys need leadership, right? And I think we, we lost a bit of that in veteran presence when we made our earlier deals. And so you're trying to find that right chemistry of who can kind of guide these players. You know, it's tough for us to lose Thad. You know, I think everybody's seen how important he was and, you know, he had to be included in that deal. So are we simultaneously bringing in young players to develop and grow, but also creating an environment around them where they're learning professional habits um, they're being held accountable. They're understanding how to play basketball at the NBA level. They're learning how to win. Um, so that's the mix that we're always trying to, to, to shoot for. Bobby, you brought in two Canadians, in RJ and Kelly in the fields. Is there nationality bringing two hometown guys playing? Well, is it just strictly basketball? Yeah, I mean, it starts with the basketball piece. Um, I think, you know, we're biased and we've watched them grow up more so maybe we're, we're more familiar with their game right if there's ever I always tell people if there's ever a young Canadian kid up like it's our job to know them in and out and make sure that you know we have a good feel on them um, and so from both of those point of views we love them as players first um, and it's great that they are Canadian they want to be here and so I think that'd be the other piece which is having players that want to play here um, you know goes a long way on, on many levels. Yeah, hardworking, high character, two-way player, you know, kind of fits the bill of, of, of guys we've pursued over the years. Um, you know, four-year player at Kansas, so you got, to, you got to watch his development. I think he ended his run as maybe most outstanding player of the tournament that year. Um, you know, has started at times in Utah, so we feel like we're getting a young player with a lot of upside, hard worker, high character, and, you know, and so we'll bet on those. Darko's great, and I think you know part of you know part of the interview process. You go through all those scenarios, right? We know the team that you know we were going to put forth, but we also knew the the <clears throat> potential um, changes that could happen. So that you know we're very upfront, we're communicative. He's been part of a lot of different NBA franchises, so I don't think this feels entirely new to him. Um, but a lot of it's just you know day to day or even hour hourly conversations about the direction of the team, and so it's been you know been something we've been discussing internally. Um, with him for a while now, um, and especially after the the two bi the two major moves before, he kind of saw this was the direction that everything was going. You mentioned a couple of minutes ago about veterans teaching them how to be how to be pros and uh, building culture of winning. You haven't had a lot of winning. Three and thirteen. How does how does this sort of foster that part of it? Which would which it's say? Great, but how does it make your team win more? Right. Um, I think Ochai. Um, he will develop in a competitive environment. I think he'll develop with guys his age group. So I think that is, you know, one of our, our big focuses is getting guys in that sort of 22, 28 kind of age group. Um, I think Kelly helps solidify that as a presence off the bench. We've seen that, you know, especially in the front court off the bench that we've had some, you know, trouble rebounding or, or whatever you may say. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it solidifies in the sense that it's we're going to keep competing. Um and, you know, there'll be a structure in place that, you know, will allow us to be competitive in all the games. And sort of on that note, Bobby, the, uh, you know, you don't, you a player in uh, Scotty who's all, an all-star now and clearly is on the rise. And so, you know, how much focus is on making sure he's surrounded with 
players that he can go and compete with versus, you know, how did you get a player like Scotty, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, top tier draft pick. So, how do you kind of balance building a team that remains sort of competitive around it, but still, you know, you need star power? Yeah, I think that's just the process that we're all probably, you know, going through now. And so how long, um, how long do you give it? Um, we made some moves now, the summer, you know, this is a, you know, probably a multi-year process. And so I think from, from the point of view of building around Scotty, you want young players in his age group that I think culturally, socially, you know, energy wise, I think you want to put skill sets around him. And so I think we'll be interested to see a Kelly skill set. I don't know if he's had a player like Kelly to play with. Um, and then you want guys who just like, you know, <laughs> want to be here, want to run. I think Ochai's energy will, will invigorate Scotty. Um, so you're trying to hit on all those points, sort of age, culture, social skill set, And, you know, that's what we'll continue to do. And, and I guess with the, the pick that's out of San Antonio, is there any emphasis on, you know, pretty close to maybe keeping it this year or I guess the word, you know, how much, how important is I think we're going to prioritize seeing this group play. If it ends up that we're in the top six, sure, if we're out of the top six, but I don't think that, especially the way that the new NBA rules are, to try and game that doesn't make a ton of sense, right? At the end of the day, it's going to be the lottery balls. Um, uh, so I don't think there's a ton of, of let's do this or that, but I think the big priority for us is playing that young group together, getting Grady in there with that group, um, seeing how they fit together, because that will give us a lot more information about how to build the team, what moves to make this summer, as opposed to what's going to happen over the next, you know, 20, 25 games. You guys are, you started talking about rebuilding as a champion. You don't see a ton of teams in that sort of position giving up a first round pick. You guys obviously had a couple. Mm -hmm. But why did you feel comfortable giving up an asset like that, a future asset in a trade today? I think we said, you know, we have three, maybe even four first round picks if you include the Detroit pick. And so, to a lot of the sort of the things we've been talking about, it's hard to bring in that many kids into an environment, grow them, you know, in the right way. Um, I think you're seeing it with Grady, which is there's a ton of resources, staff, um, programs in place, but, he, you know, there's a lot that you need to do to raise them. And so I think, you know, the thought of three or four of them felt like, hey, if we can cash in one now for someone like Ochai, who's still young but early in his career, um, then you kind of like, you know, solidified one of those. And so I don't, I don't think we view it as using a pick um, that we otherwise would have wanted in the draft. We kind of use it to get the type of player we would want to have gotten in the draft. Just following up on that, is that it's safe to say that maybe we're offers for other picks in this draft, and it's the same reason you don't want to have too many of that? I think the, the value of the picks, you know, so if we had the indie pick, we potentially have our own, but that's going to San Antonio, the 31. Yeah, so there's different tiers, right? And so you could, you know, come up with all the scenarios. You use two picks on this player, to use one pick on this player, to use all three picks on, on somebody. And so, um, yeah, I guess that's the game we're, we're playing. And so we decided ultimately that the one pick for um, Ochai and Kelly made sense. Where, where does uh, Chris I think Chris is the 
longest uh, standing Raptor now. So, you know, we have good relationship with Chris. We have good communication. I think he's obviously going through a tough time, but he's been professional. He's been um, good energy. You know, we talk to him often. So, uh, you know, I think we traded eight players so far. And so, you know, sounds like some people would rather trade 15, but, you know, <laughs> we got a lot of work done. And so there's, there's, there's more moves to be done, but with Chris, um, you know, I'm sure he'll bounce back like he always does. He didn't get to this place in the NBA if he wasn't resilient. Um, and it seems like every time he's out, he's back in. But, you know, we're not, uh, we're not too concerned with Chris. With the Dennis trade, you guys created some flexibility, it seems like, for summer. Mm-hmm. This is an organization that brings in top-tier free agents very often. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see – what do you see as the value of that flexibility of that money? It's not necessarily to, obviously, to use cap space, I think – you can. I think the Bruce contract's another one where you can kind of open up a ton if you want. Um, so more was just the optionality of going into this summer with reduced committeds. Um, and so you you can, you just have more options available to you. So I don't think there was anything specifically in mind like, hey, we're doing this or we're doing that, um, as opposed to let's, you know, see what our books look like with, uh, you know, 13 million or so off the off the books. Yeah, I mean, I think where we are now, yeah, it's young, exciting. I think we're all watching new players, so there's probably just, you know, different parts of your brain going off as you watch quickly come off a pick and roll or you watch RJ, you know, slash through the lane or you watch, you know, Scotty interact with them. And so, um, you know, watching Jordan Nawara come and have those games. So I think it's more fun. There's a different energy around the team. Um, So I think we're enjoying, you know, this part of the process with a younger team as they grow and develop. Thanks. Nice. There's always ones, right? I don't know. There wasn't that much. There wasn't that much movement today, was there? Who was the Who was the best player? Who was the best player dealt? Buddy, Boyan. Oh. All right, that was Raptors general manager Bobby Webster at the podium. We'll never know what the side saddle was. That's why me and Blake typically are down there for press conferences so we can get all the little off-the-record scoops. That's what per sources means. Um, I haven't been at one of these in forever, man. I've been live on air yeah. for the last, like, 40 times Bobby or Messiah spoke. Oh, well, you could do, yeah, you could always text them. But, um, yeah, yeah what, but what, what, what we'll text s- about the CBA minutia stuff, but that's uh, mm. that's about it. Bobby dropping a, well, the optionality of going into this summer with reduced committeds. Goodness. Goodness, Bobby. <laughs> Why do you talk like that sometimes? Um, no, I actually want my jam to talk like that. Absolutely. Um, okay, so do you get some more clarity on the Raptors' direction based off what uh, Bobby was talking about there? Not, I mean, not clarity because they said they told us what to do but clarity in terms of like yeah the kind of stuff we've been kicking around feels fairly accurate like they are valuing flexibility here i I joked about you know the optionality of reduced committees but like he was non-committal on using the cap space toward Mm -hmm. players he was non-committal on um you know are these guys all sticking around does this mean bruce is a part of the court like they're they're just they have once again prioritized the flexibility Mm -hmm. and that is um you know, there I can feel an impatience from like like obviously being on Twitter and having people give us feedback on the show throughout the day. Like there, there's an impatience there, and again, a diminished like a, 
an expiry date that, that diminishes the value of that flexibility as, as you move further on. But um, that's what we're talking about. He gave the impression it's it's a multi-year trek to find the right pieces that fit around Scotty. It's, um, you know, they're not necessarily going to use all this cap flexibility to sign guys. Maybe it's about trades. Maybe it's about being predatory and taking on, you know, contracts. And he only kind of hinted at CBA minutia, but I, I'd... Reading between the lines, that's the mm. impression I kind of got. A lot of teams are going to be tight for flexibility, and if you have that flexibility, you can be predatory with that and pick up assets. Um, it's a well way of saying that. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, you know, there's nothing. We didn't really learn anything. It's a mul- the, right. Really, the, the question I'm left with is like, or not even the question, but like the, the clear path here. And, and actually, the, the one thing that fans probably most wanted to, to hear clarity on is like, they're not benching guys down the stretch. He said the priority is now to see this group to yep. play together as much as possible, which makes sense when your whole, uh, other than Kelly Olenek, your entire rotation is 27 and under. Like Bruce Brown's the next oldest guy yep. at 27. Um, but like there was a very clear acknowledgement that like, yeah, you don't you don't control the fate of your pick even. So like these well, guys... you don't are, entirely control the fate of your pick. But again, could, yeah, like, they're, not, they're not taking like that. Okay, here's the thing. The furthest, the, like right now they're at like, they, they'd have like a 45% chance of keeping the pick. They can only get that as high as like 63%. Exactly. Um, takeaways from this, the Bruce Brown threshold for trade wasn't hit, which yeah. I guess is supposedly obvious. But I assume that threshold was a first-round pick. I'm sure we will hear more reports of that coming out. Um, he also did continue to mention he's got a really interesting contract. So I looked into it. The club option for the Raptors to pick up his $23 million for 29th? is 29th. The draft is June 27th. Yeah. So if a team wanted to open up more space around the draft, which would be the next cycle of moves, it's supposed you could still move Brown, Bruce Brown then. And then, of course, teams can sort of essentially turn down the option, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and on Kelly Olenek, he called him a steady hand for the second unit. So it does not seem like Kelly is going to be for the starting group. Sure, maybe some games he might start, um, you know, on an interim basis. He also did mention that he is extension eligible, which again suggests that, like, I'm not worried that Kelly's going to go anywhere, but he is an understudy free agent. Well, and and one small note on that for the cap flexibility, and sorry to interrupt you there. Um, I thought you were done your thought. Um, with respect to the cap flexibility, if you get an extension done and it's lower than his current deal, like, then you don't have to worry. Kelly has a big cap hold right now, mm-hmm. which would mean that. You know, if you're on the fence about it, you gotta you gotta make that decision quick on Kelly. Right. But if you sign an extension, then there's the cost certainty and his cap sure. hold's not there. It's a much more like let's say it's a, a two year twenty that mm-hmm. we kicked around earlier. Maybe that's on the high end, but whatever. Then that's on the books instead of the cap hold. Like there there is a little bit of flexibility of that the Gary extension possibility came up as well, but pretty non committal there. Yeah, he did say Gary's twenty five and a forty percent shooter, which is uh really matter of fact. That's always the thing I appreciate with Bobby. And then the last one, he just did notice that, like, look, a lot of buyers didn't have a lot of assets or they were capped out, and everybody's very unsure about the new CBA in terms of how that's going to punish everybody. So I think that kind of explains not about the Raptors specifically, but in just in general, um, the lack of activity at the trade deadline. But, um, yeah, that was the 2024 trade deadline. Do you have a fun moment uh, that you – did you have a favorite moment before we wrap here? Man, you're all about the favorite moments today, eh? Uh, look, listen, it's a lot of exits. You know, I think I want to just process, like, the feelings. Of, like, we had Dennis on the show every week. Yeah. And now he's gone, you know? I think my favorite uh, part of today was how many Spencer Dinwiddie Bitcoin jokes you got in mm. in his Raptors era. Damn. He was a Raptor for, like, 27 minutes. You got, like – like five crypto jokes in. If people didn't know what I was talking about, please look it up. It, yeah, didn't he want his contract to tied to? We don't a, need to get all a, into a that. Coin? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, it's that's too bad. We'll see where he lands. But uh, yeah, the Raptors, as is right now, we have a roster. As Bobby said, 
we did move eight players. Uh, sounds like some people would have wanted to trade 15. Haha. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if people wanted to see 15 players traded, but they, I guess the point is they did change over literally half the roster. So now that we have the deadline in the rear view, what we're going to do is actually get to focus on games again and not look. Wins and losses, not as important to me. How they play together is the most important thing. And we do have a lot of new players to look at and evaluate. So as Bobby said, I also do get an excitement when I see quickly pull up off the pick and roll. I also do get excitement when I see RJ slash downhill. I also do get excitement to see Scotty interact with those two guys. So that's the mission statement for the rest of the season. How do the young guys play together? And the pick will land where the pick will land. But uh, that does it for us today. Been your host, Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network, brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. It's time to get fired up. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please review the show. Thanks once again to producers Mark Boffel, Amamon. Huge day for you two. Appreciate both your help. Uh, our producer Derek Brandale, Jennifer Molnick, Davis says Jeremiah helping behind the scenes. Thanks to our guest Michael Grange. Goodbye to our guest Dennis Schroeder. And uh, we'll be back to talk Raptors basketball tomorrow.